Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined here today by Hayden Winks and Patrick Doherty. Hayden, looks like you are fully moved in, completely set up for this next evolution in your life, which is full-time Twitch streamer. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to be trying to reach a, a younger audience here, going full Gen Zer, and, and we haven't even seen the, the full extent of this. I got these LED lights coming in that are going to be hanging up on the, on the wall. I spent a probably $45 doing this full renovation, so uh, I'm pretty serious. It's actually probably so good that you're probably even too close to your microphone right now, that like you are just overwhelming and overpowering us completely. Yeah, I think I think it's on an arm. There you go. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, Pat, I have a story for you, actually, this past weekend. Uh, something somewhat embarrassing happened to me. It's not a three-minute date, so at least we've reach beyond that point. Um, but I was at a very small wedding reception, about eight people on Saturday night. Shout out to Michael Mitchell, who got married. Um, and I met this guy. I met this guy named Hunter. He's, you know, a fancy football geek. He's an avid DFS player. And so obviously when you get in those conversations, you ask, well, well, who do you read, right? Who do you like? And, you know, he's like, oh, Evan Silva, Rich Rebar. They're, they're fantastic. And I was like, Great. Um, well, what about us? And, 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 and then I was like, well, do you know Rotoworld? Oh, man, I go to Rotoworld every day. And I was like, well, give me your phone. Let, let, let me see your phone. So I decided to go on his phone and I look up Patrick Doherty. He's looking at my shoulder. Roto Pat. He's like, oh, man, love Pat. <laughs> look up Ian Harditz. Oh, love, love Ian Harditz. Look up Hayden Winks. Following all of you. Oh, H- Hayden's great. You know, this great young writer who has a completely different perspective. Then I, look, then I look at my account. He doesn't even know who I am. (laughs) Just absolutely no clue who I am at all. I mean, I've only done like 450 something episodes of this podcast, millions of listens. And, you know, Pat, you you go into those um, situations sometimes where you're like, well, the last thing I want to do is talk about my job. I will say that that was like an arrow straight to the heart of him knowing everyone else in the entire football industry except for me. So maybe he's a Birmingham City fan. Or a yeah. West Bromwich Albion. Um, and that was embarrassing, but it's still not as embarrassing as two uh, millennials getting outfoxed for $45 by the lone Gen Zer on the staff. So, there you go. Yeah. There you but, go. Uh, uh, and what's even crazier about it, Pat, was it was in Charlotte. He's a Panthers fan. And so, like, that's just a double down of him just having well, no clue. <laughs> this is what you get for playing down your Panthers fandom all these years. Right. You know, every time we needle you about it and you deny it. And look what ha- look where that got you. <sighs> okay. 
Uh, let's get into today's show. I'm really excited for this one. If, if you missed our previous episodes, go back and listen to those. Uh, actually, Pat, last, I think, Thursday, you and I recorded an episode on our favorite middle round targets. Uh, was met with fantastic applause, especially from Hunter from, from the wedding. <laughs> um, and so we've done that for you know the first six rounds that we've done through rounds seven through 12. And actually, probably next week in time for your July 4th commute, if people are even doing that. Um, Is we'll, we'll try thing? To, yeah, we'll, we'll try to do another live draft and have that in the feed for everyone. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone else out there. But today is an extra special episode. I actually saw this topic on Sigmund Bloom's Twitter feed. So yes, I'm kind of stealing it. I reached out to him and asked, and he said it was okay. But it's what players are being drafted outside of the top 50 in fantasy drafts right now that have league-winning potential. Hayden, I mean, we've seen league winners come in all different shapes and sizes. Obviously, Lamar Jackson last year being drafted as the, the quarterback 10, number 88 overall, obviously qualifies. But we've seen, you know, Tim Hightower have the best week 16 of all time and win fantasy leagues. Uh, David Johnson, the final few weeks of his rookie season, win fantasy leagues. Um, so league winner is probably a term out there that uh, can be defined in 10 different ways. How do you define it, Hayden? Well, I think it's, it kind of depends on the league. If you're talking about best ball, you kind of need production throughout the year. But if it's like a regular redraft league, like a high school buddies league, then you need somebody that's going to be doing better later into the season. That's where you get some of these handcuffed running backs um, emerging. Usually uh, rookies are really young players, but um, I think we'll have a little bit of variety here tonight. Pat, what about you? What, what do I usually look for in a league winner, Josh? Yeah, how, how do you define uh, Well, a lot of times a league – well, obviously a league winner is someone you get in the – who vastly overperforms their ADP. And some of the profiles for that are like Lamar Jackson. He fit the profile perfectly. A dual threat quarterback. A dual threat quarterbacks are often potential league winners because we don't know the rushing upside. And then another profile I kind of look for is, you know, a, a handcuff back that also has standalone value. So someone that's not just like taking up space on your roster, someone that will have standalone value, even if the, the starter in front of them doesn't get hurt. But then if that starter does get hurt, you know, then they become – like a plug and play RB one or two. So those are two of like the really like tried and true uh, league winner profiles. If uh, such a thing is really a thing, which, you know, it might not be a lot of it is 
just uh, randomness and luck. But uh, well, yeah, I even went back and researched some of this, and I talked about David Johnson's rookie season. I mean, I think we all can remember he did absolutely nothing for like the first half or three quarters of that year, and then in his final four games had 19, 15, 43, and 20 fantasy points. We can also point back to like D'Angelo Williams back in 2008. He oh, led man. the league with with 18 rushing touchdowns after not scoring a touchdown in the first four games of an NFL season. So hopefully we can navigate and identify one of those names here for you today. We'll go with six names, two apiece. Handsome Hang Winks, you're up first. I think we'll have a couple of running backs later. So I'm going to start it with a wide receiver, and that is Will Fuller. And, of course, everyone knows the upside. Everything's obvious this year without DeAndre Hopkins. They have the fourth most available targets. They have the third most available air yards. And he's been he's been an efficient player, and he's paired with Deshaun Watson, who loves throwing deep downfield. He's averaging 10.1 yards per target over the last two seasons. And we've seen the week-to-week upside with Will Fuller, and I think there's a chance that he becomes the number one target for the Texans. I'm not fully buying into Brandon Cooks, who hasn't played with Deshaun Watson before, who has five documented concussions. So I want Will Fuller. He's going a little bit higher than Brandon Cooks and Kenny Sills and the rest of them. But I think he's a player that you can get in like the sixth, seventh, eighth rounds that could be a top 20 wide receiver. He's an amazing target, too, because, you know, especially for his profile, you know, he's not the kind of receiver, like smaller receiver, deep threat that would normally qualify as like a proven touchdown score. But we know that Will Fuller is that. And uh, yeah, it already has the rapport with Deshaun Watson. And he's just, he's kind of a Tyreek Hillian talent in that, you know, he's a smaller, faster guy. You don't associate those with high touchdown seasons, but we know Tyreek Hill has done that. We've seen Will Fuller do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we all know the obvious downside with Will Fuller. That's why he's not a top 50 pick. But yeah, just immense upside for someone going outside the top 50. Yeah, wide receiver 34 right now, around pick 93 to 105, depending on what ADP um, you're looking at. He is one of those players that just has this rare connection with Deshaun Watson. And who knows how the volume is going to be distributed this year? Because obviously last year, DeAndre Hopkins um, had so much of it because you know his average depth of target dropped about two full yards or two and a half yards last season compared to other years of his career. But... You know, I don't know if I would give like my pinky for a full season of a healthy Will Fuller, but I, I, would I, I, I no, I would not either. That was a <laughs> dumb statement I just made. But I would, I would, you know, be very fascinated to see what could happen with Will Fuller, who is one of the most dynamic vertical playmakers in the NFL, actually play in 16 games for a season. Because I'm not so sure how far away it would be from maybe peak Deshaun Jackson, which was so much fun to watch in NFL circles when that happened. Yeah. He's and never it, not been an explosive playmaker and sorry, you go Hayden. Well, I was just gonna talk about risk aversion in, in general, a lot of player or a lot of people are scared of the downside, but the fact of the matter is a lot of the receivers that are being picked around Will Fuller have just as much downside just because they're not as good as Will Fuller and they don't have Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. And, and another thing is there's a study out there Uh, about risk aversion whether you're in the limelight like if you're like on deal or no deal or if you're being anonymous and when you're in the limelight you're more scared of being uh wrong so you're not going to see many fantasy analysts talk about will fuller and being on the will fuller hype train because people are so scared of being wrong and i don't want to be like that i want to chase the ceiling give me will fuller these are all just ceiling plays at the end of the day i think we'll get that um 
feel for this list when we make it up. Okay. Um, since we've probably finished talking about Will Fuller, I will move on to the next name. How about Raheem Mostert? Raheem Mostert's like the running back 25 in drafts right now. Um, he's, you know, just outside of that top 50 around ADP of 51 or 54. You know, Matt Breed and his departure to the Miami Dolphins leaves almost 150 touches on the table for someone or multiple people in the 49ers backfield to take. And I actually think this is going to be much closer to a two-person backfield than a three-person like we've seen in previous years because, I mean, even the 49ers really can't expect anything from Jerick McKinnon, even though he's somehow still on the roster. And at this point, I truly believe that Raheem Mostert is more talented than Tevin Coleman. I mean, this is a player who right now is averaging six yards a carry in his career. I mean, that is more than the forever underappreciated Jamal Charles had in his career. And the last time we saw... Raheem Mostert, well, one of the last games, I should say, it was the NFC Championship game, which he he like took it over. He dominated 29 carries, 220 yards, and four touchdowns. And it wasn't just that playoff stretch where he had this massive workload and Kyle Shanahan trusted him as maybe even the lead back in that backfield. The final five regular season games, he averaged 13 carries, two targets per game, 76 yards, and over a touchdown in each contest. You know, we, we talk all the time about the Shanahan history of the running back position, how they can make someone who doesn't have a name into a big name. And lately it's been, you know, a lot of different backs in the backfield. It would not be a shock at all if Raheem Mostert just takes this backfield over, in my opinion. And if he does that, again, at running back 25 and sees 75% of the workload, that is league-winning potential. It is. And we know that Raheem Mostert is you know, maybe this year's Damian Williams, uh, a career committee member already in his late 20s without much of a track record, who has a hot finish and then just you know, kind of disappeared, gets committed the next season because – you know, the NFC Championship game you mentioned, you know, one of the best running back performances in NFL postseason history. So amazing. And then in the Super Bowl, though, Tevin Coleman, who we do think is probably the, the less talented player at this point, still weirdly reemerges and is involved. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's always had a bit of Bill Belichick to him with these unpredictable committees when he doesn't have like a true, clear lead back. So we know it's possible that Raheem Mostert, Mostert I can never get the pronunciation right, uh, is being overdrafted. Like you said, John, I mean, there's a chance he's being just extremely underdrafted as the lead, clearly the lead back for one of the league's most sophisticated run-heavy offenses. And we've already priced in a lot of risk. We're not even taking him as an RB2 anymore by the letter of the law. It's the RB25. And, you know, there's obvious downside, but you said the upside is equally as obvious, if you know, not more compelling. And uh, there's going to be a risk when you take him, but, yeah, this is – Absolutely. It uh, could be a, a league winning pick uh, snagging Raheem Mostert is probably your third running back. Yeah, I'm just acting on what Kyle Shanahan did in the, the last half of the season through week 13 through the Super Bowl. Raheem Mostert averaged 19.8 PPR points. Tevin Coleman, 5.2. And you just see the ceiling with uh, the 49ers offense in general. The 49ers running backs last year combined for the fourth most PPR points. And I don't think the 49ers are going to be quite as good as they were. I don't expect the 49ers to have the fourth most running back points this year. They'll still probably be the top 10 for sure because Shanahan's such a good play caller. But you just see the upside. If if they use Raheem Mostert the way they did late in the season, he averaged 19.8 fantasy points per game. And that's through the playoffs. That's the, the toughest competition they were going to face all season long. So I think he's a worthwhile RB3 flyer. 
And from, I, I'm going to push back on what you just said, Hayden, just a little bit, because maybe from a, a production standpoint and like the constant high caliber play that Cal Shanahan had, maybe they don't reach that. But there's also the part of this equation where there's a strong chance this 49ers offensive line is even better in 2020 than it was in 2019. I mean, Weston Richburg played 78% of the snaps last year, their starting center. Mike McGlinchey played 73% of the snaps. Joe Staley, who obviously is now retired, only played 40% of the snaps. I mean, there were times when they were on their third or fourth offensive tackle, you know, their backup center, lots of backup offensive linemen, and they still were that incredible offensively. We talk about it all the time, how – Running back production is built on blocking. How offensive success, especially late in the season, is built on offensive line talent and offensive line continuity. Well, what if Weston Richburg, Mike McGlinchey, and now Trent Williams play around 90% of the snaps this season? That's an even better environment for a running back to really exceed expectations in. And again, if I were to hitch my horse onto one of these players, it would be the guy that had zero starts last season in Raheem Mostert. Pat, you want to move on to the next name? Well, Josh, and I'm going to go with kind of one of the uh, the profiles I explained earlier with, uh, you know, a handcuff back who has standalone value and a Kareem Hunt uh, who, you know, we already know can be a league winner. He was that as a rookie in 2017. He was the top five running back in both standard and PPR. We know he has a true three down skill set. And so he's the rare handcuff who has standalone value. And he's the even rarer handcuff who, uh, say Nick Chubb gets hurt, uh, Kareem Hunt would be going from a committee to really kind of an every down back. You know, that's you, that's not something you re- usually see. Uh, uh, when when you're at full health, you have a committee. And then when you're not at full health, you have a three down role. And uh, we already know uh, what Kevin Stefanski did with Dalvin Cook last year in Minnesota. Uh, we know he comes from the Gary Kubiak system. We know what Gary Kubiak does for running backs and Nick Chubb he's just great because again he's not gonna be t- he's not gonna be like a lawn ornament on your roster if Nick Chubb isn't hurt especially in PPR uh, he will have flex value uh, he will have bi-week plug and play value but if Nick Chubb were to get hurt you would suddenly have a clear-cut probably top eight running back maybe top five running back and that's a league winning type pick and yeah if, even if he doesn't win you the league he's gonna have standalone values a handcuff on your bench yeah, this is the kind of profile you look for with someone as you start to get to the mid to later rounds. And just like Josh mentioned with the 49ers, the Browns offensive line should also be much better this year. They drafted Jedrick Wills, picked up Jack Conklin. This is finally the year where I think we're going to see Baker Mayfield winning off of play action. That's how the Vikings were so good last year with Kirk Cousins and obviously Dalvin Cook and even Alexander Madison. Uh, the Vikings were fifth in fancy points combined with the running backs last year. So that's kind of the upside you're seeing. And like Pat was mentioning, the Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt dynamic in the late last season, their their production was pretty similar from a fantasy points per game perspective. Chubb, 14 points per game. Kareem Hunt, 13.5. So you're getting pretty good value for somebody that you can get as a, like a modified zero RB league winner type. Yep, running back 29 around the 74th to 66th overall selection. You know, I do like to look at snap counts um, when it's coming around time for the next season. And you can't look at Kareem Hunts because obviously it's it's shifted and tilted after he was suspended for, what, the first eight games of the season. Looking at those final eight games of the season, I mean, it ranged anywhere from a 54% snap rate offensively to a 66% snap rate offensively. And that's, again, with a healthy Nick Chubb who was uber productive. This is a player who's going to be on the field. And I actually just blurbed one of these 
um, news items for Look at you for the site. I mean, just imagine that when I do it, I got to talk about it, Pat. Hunter's um, going to know who you are next year. <laughs> <laughs> but Kareem Hunt said he and Nick Chubb have just been talking and just getting so excited for just how great they can fit in this stretch zone offense. Kareem Hunt also said that he would love to be on the Browns long term. Now, I don't know your guys' feelings on that. It doesn't seem likely because he's playing on about a four, I think, million dollar contract right now, which, you know, for second contract, quote unquote, running backs is quite a price tag. And it probably depends on one, how he does off the field, because there was even an incident this offseason with a speeding violation, I believe. Um, but two, how much money he's going to request. But now is the time for Kevin Stefanski and company to make the most of having two of maybe the 15 most talented running backs in the NFL. Because I think what Kareem Hunt showed early in his year, I mean, he led what the NFL in rushing during his rookie season. That's absolutely astronomical talent that this team has in their backfield. It is. Yeah. I mean, again, we've already seen him be a league winner. He can, he can do it again. He can rise again. It, it will be fascinating though, because, and this is going to, kind of transition into what I want to talk about later with another team, but we'll get into that in a second. You know, Stefanski really had one back last year in Dalvin Cook, right? And so unless he was forced to come off the field, either due to fatigue or or due to injury, you know, Alexander Madison might have five to seven touches in the game and, and get some goal line work and some short yardage work, but it, it really was just one back. So it's it's always fascinating to me with these offensive play callers how we do rely on what they have done in their past, but how much can they shift themselves to change that for new personnel? And I don't think it's an answer that any of us can have. We can only ask that question because we've absolutely seen examples on both ends of the spectrum with that where talents like Kareem Hunt, who have shared backfields, have certainly been wasted in prime situations like this before. Yeah, the, he doesn't get Duke Johnson, is what you're saying. Exactly. Well, I mean, they 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 have mentioned that Kareem Hunt has been lining up and uh, like slot receiver, or at least in the Zoom meetings. I'm not, sure gonna happen. I'm not sure if it's going to actually happen, <laughs> but there is a higher chance just because the Browns depth chart at receiver beyond the top two. Maybe when they go three wide receivers, it's Kareem Hunt nope. going in motion. That's nope. just a just- possibility. You, you might have been in diapers still when this happened, Hayden, but just a few years ago, we were told that Duke Johnson was going to be the Brown slot receiver, and look how that look, turned out. So, like, Don't forget I, uh, C.J. Spiller, and Hayden just said the most coronavirus off-season symptoms imaginable, yeah. basically, <laughs> and that getting Zoom slot reps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting two backs on the field is not an offense in the NFL. So two ball carries. So it's, you know, that that's one that we blurb for at least – you know, six of the 32 teams of the NFL during training camps. And then it maybe happens 6% of the time once the NFL season rolls around. But I, I understand the sentiment, what you're saying, Hayden. Um, all right. So we've gone through three Hayden. I believe you're a backup here for round two. Yeah. So now we're going to go a little bit later into the draft and I'm going to highlight chase Edmonds, the hand direct handcuff to Kenyon Drake uh, chase Edmonds. I think is just like a really good player. He was sixth in EPA, uh, per carry six in fantasy points per carry 11th in success rate and 12th in yards per carry among 70 qualifiers last year. And just the environment's so good. Uh, I love the offense they run with Kyler Murray at a shotgun. They run outside at the second highest rate, which is what analytics want wants offenses to be doing. And Kenyon Drake was the RB three overall from weeks nine through 16. If he goes down, this is somebody that you can be plugging and playing as a top 12 uh, running back whenever he misses misses games. So this is the 
fitting the criteria of a late round guy where he's one injury away from being an RB one. Yeah. You know, the Cardinals last year, we kind of on paper were a three back backfield, uh, but they didn't, they had, so they had three backs they could be using, uh, but they didn't do it that way. Uh, They really wanted to be like a one man backfield. And, you know, that'll probably be the plan with Kenyon Drake. But then like you said, if Kenyon Drake goes down, see Chase Evans is one play away from essentially being a three down back. And, you know, that is something you target every time uh, in the mid to late rounds of fantasy drafts. And he's another guy who could have standalone value because even if they want this to be kind of a one-man backfield in theory, uh, the amount of plays they want to run, you know, as versatile as they want to be on offense, uh, there's going to be weekly snaps for Chase Edmonds. So you know, he just perfectly fits the profile of someone who has so much more upside than his ADP would lead you to believe. Yeah, we talked about Chase Edmonds earlier on this offseason, um, and I think my imagination took over a little bit <laughs> because uh, I don't even want to reuse some of the words that I use to describe <laughs> his talent. Like, I think I said feature back quality. Um, and again, I, I think I was thinking back to, you know, his game against Cincinnati where he took eight carries for 68 yards and a score, his game against the Giants where he had 27 yard, 27 carries for 126 yards and three touchdowns. Um, because then I forgot about the rest of the season when, you know, he was barely used and barely was able to touch the ball, especially when Kenyon Drake was back in the lineup. Now Chase Edmonds probably, you know, wasn't totally healthy after getting injured himself and probably would have had the backfield to himself if he did not get injured. Um, but that's also – not factoring in what I think personally, right? And and I think coming out of Fordham that Chase Edmonds had like some Matt Forte in his game in terms of make you miss in the open field. He's obviously a very capable receiver. Um, it's it's one that a situation where hopefully the Cardinals offensive line is better. But two, even if it's not, we already saw probably at the lowest talent point that it's going to be last season that Cliff Kingsbury and the scheme that he runs offensively just manufactures open space and plenty of yardage for backs. And that is a very defined backfield, I think, right now, with Kenyon Drake in the lead and Chase Evans directly behind him. And, uh, you know, if we stack all backup running backs across the league, I know we just talked about Kareem Hunt, and there's certainly a step down to what Chase Edmonds offers, but I think he truly is one of the best, most talented backups across the NFL as well. And the last note I want to bring up with Chase Edmonds is with coronavirus, they're going to be testing players multiple times a week. I think we're going to see more missed games potentially from starting running backs this season. So I think handcuffs is probably uh, more value in them this year. Big brain, Hayden Winks. That's right. COVID cuff. Now, Josh, I was was wondering if we were going to hear the word Fordham in your spiel, and we did. And you made another example that's kind of forgotten history. He had like 150 yards from scrimmage the week before they traded for Kenyon Drake, and he probably would have been the feature back if he had not popped a hamstring. So he's another guy who's already kind of demonstrated this upside on the field. Um, We've all mentioned reasonable names so far, so I kind of want to be unreasonable uh, with my next selection. Uh, Another personal favorite here. Let's go with uh, Antonio Gibson. Running back 61 right now. Yeah, number 144 overall. Look, we were talking about this with Kevin Stefanski, but Norv and Scott Turner, I think I can you know link their brains together and make them one person, basically. Um, their offense in the past three years has featured the running back who led the NFL in targets in three straight seasons. I highly doubt that that offensive identity completely disappears in Washington. And Pat, we talked about this on Thursday. Um, You know, that running back room is a mess, right? 
we've talked up Darius Geis, and I think it's warranted. He's a very talented player. He's the odds-on favorite to lead that backfield in touches. But he's also a player with 42 carries in his career, seven catches in two seasons. I mean, that's basically what Derrick Henry gets in one half if the Titans have you know positive game script, right? Then you throw in Adrian Peterson. You throw in J.D. McKesket. J.D. McKissick right now, you know, it's it's kind of even difficult to advocate for drafting Antonio Gibson in season long leagues because he is going so late and he truly is a wait and see player. But we know that the Turners have relied on one back to amass 90 percent of the workload. And for some reason, maybe it's just me diving into this topic. I'm getting David Johnson rookie season vibes from Antonio Gibson, that he might not be that bell cow feature back in the first four to six weeks of the season. He might show some glimpses of fantastic play early on in his career. But as we get to the second half of his rookie season, it would not shock me at all if he is the go-to back because he shines as both a runner and most importantly, as a receiver towards the end of his rookie season. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30 pound sea bass, and a 10 inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F 150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You just kind of made me wish that Lynn Bowden was on the Redskins. I feel like <laughs> everything you said about him would apply more to Lynn. The problem with Antonio Gibson is that, you know, these offensive weapon types, this, these tweener types, just have a, a lot of problems as a rookie usually. Uh, you know, we're not even sure of his position coming out of the draft. And then it's the coronavirus offseason where he doesn't get any practice reps. And he is a, a, a very unique, a very high upside player. I just think it'll be hard for him to realize that this season and, I would personally rather take a mid-round flyer on Darius Geis than a late-round flyer on Antonio Gibson. But the case you laid out does make sense. I just, it's just the wrong year to be an offensive weapon hmm. entering the NFL, and I just don't know if they're going to really fully know how to utilize him. But you're totally correct about Norville and Scott. You know, Norv won back. I mean, it goes back to like the Ladanian Tomlinson, uh, Emmett Smith. I believe Norv coordinated Emmett Smith even, uh, so he likes one back. But. Uh, I just think it might be the wrong year for someone like Antonio Gibson's profile to kind of be a rookie breakout. Yeah, Antonio Gibson is probably another player that's getting these Zoom slot rep, slot slot reps that I was mentioning earlier because he split he split his time in college like basically 50-50 as a running back and a receiver. He was just so raw on tape, but the upside is clearly there. I mean, 439 speed at 229 pounds is certainly intriguing. He basically scored a touchdown every single time he touched the ball. It's 
the late season, I can see the upside. This is definitely a wait and see player for me. He just only had 77 career touches right. uh, in college, but I mean, the upside, he looks like a, just a different athlete, even compared to uh, NFL players. And I, I wish it was 50 50 the time you split between running back and wide receiver. He actually took like 70% of his snaps in college at wide receiver. And like, that's how I projected him. You know, I, I, I actually think if I were running the Washington Redskins one day, right? Um, I would use him exactly how Scott used DJ Moore, right? On crossing routes, on slants, get the ball in his hands and allow him to win after the catch because that's where Antonio Gibson is is most dangerous with the ball in his hands. I mean, hey, you know this. These are unreal numbers that Antonio Gibson put up in terms of breaking tackles. 16 missed tackles forced on 33 carries last season. 17 missed tackles forced on 38 catches last season. I mean, those are numbers that are on another tier compared to any other rookie in this class. And Pat, I, I'm with you. Like, we don't know exactly what he's going to use. We get bitten by these Swiss Army knife, you know, versatile playmakers all the time. <coughs> Tavon Austin. But <laughs> he's wearing number 24, okay? And if we can dig into any meaning behind that, unless he is pulling a reverse Ty Montgomery here, uh, <laughs> Antonio Gibson is absolutely playing the running back position. And again, it's loaded with talents. I'm not going to say, you know, per perfect talents that match up with what the Turners have done in the past. But if there is one player who comes in and exceeds expectations and hits all the skills at the ceiling that we think that he can get to, I, I truly believe that Antonio Gibson is the closest thing that this team has to Christian McCaffrey on the roster. Um, and if that's the case and he comes in immediately and again, post some great games in the first two or three or four weeks of the season, I think you can, you know, image a, a feature back workload for a player who shines as a runner and who shines as a receiver. And that's the type that Scott Turner has shown to want in the past. I know it's, I know it's a long shot, but I, you know, I want to throw out a long shot in this. Yeah, gotta be honest, I don't know if I've heard many Antonio Gibson, uh, Christian McCaffrey comps. Um, well, uh, he's don't. bigger and faster to say <laughs> guys. Do Statistically not, he is Mike Murphy. That is not the quote to pull out of, out of this podcast. <laughs> I, I was just saying hypothetically, all hypothetical here. Um, before we get to Pat for the last one, I do want to say if you're watching us on YouTube, go and check us out on your podcast feed. It is the Roto World Football Podcast. Down below, obviously hit the thumbs up, subscribe to NBC Sports, but also go subscribe on your uh, podcast feed on Spotify, wherever else iTunes you listen, and give us a five star review if you enjoy it. Um, okay, Roto Pat, close us out here with a player outside of the top fifty who potentially can win you your league. He's barely outside the top 50, so this one's kind of cheating. And he's also someone, uh, probably the player I've talked about the most in Roto World podcast history, if that gives you a giveaway. Uh, but I talked about, you know, one of the profiles I look for is like a mid-round pick who can end up winning you your league. Uh, a dual-threat quarterback with upside on the ground and someone who also makes big plays down the field. Uh, that was Patrick Mahomes in 2018. It was Lamar Jackson in 2019. And it could definitely be a Kyler Murray in 2020. Just someone we know who has a different gear as a running quarterback and someone who's already demonstrated you know, kind of just unreal accuracy down the field, an absolute cannon of an arm, has a you know, now a signature uh, receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, and just, you know, all about the Cardinals, the up-tempo four-receiver offense, just 
kind of all the ingredients are in place for Kyler Murray to take that another step forward this year and really be a league winning type player. Cause again, this is every year there seems to be a dual threat quarterback that emerges and has people in the mix. It goes back to like Robert Griffin, the third, just you, you target young dual threat quarterbacks as ADP values and a shocking amount of time. They not only return value, but just kind of blow it out of the water. And I would not be surprised if Kyler Murray is that player this year. Yeah, we saw the flashes of the talent with Kyler Murray. It's like very clear, even as a rookie, that the potential is so high. And I think the one of the biggest reasons that we can expect a, a better fantasy season from him is just the talent that's around him. These were the targets he was throwing to last year. 109 targets to 36-year-old Larry Fitzgerald. 108 targets to Christian Kirk, who I learned today averaged 6.6 yards per target. 47 targets to David Johnson, 46 targets to Demir Bird. We have Keyshawn Johnson, who averaged 4.5 yards per target. Keyshawn Johnson. Yes. Kenyon Drake, finally a good player. 33 targets to Farrell Cooper, and then 24 targets to Charles Clay. That is pathetic. At least we have uh, DeAndre <laughs> Hopkins in there to, to help Kyler Murray out a little bit. Plus, plus I'm hoping to get a little bit uh, better offensive line play. I mean, I opened this conversation, Pat, by talking about Lamar Jackson and how if you had Lamar Jackson – on your fantasy team hopefully you won your fantasy league last year and while we've mentioned you know a lot of names that maybe through injury can get up there or if they just are breakout rookies they can get up there it's worth talking about the quarterback position that if you have the quarterback one that basically means you are definitely in the playoffs and most likely headed to your championship the difference this year pat though is you know there are no rushing quarterbacks who are very good as runners that are going around that quarterback Ted Mark. Like we have finally caught up to the Konami code, hashtag Rich Rebar, who that 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 is the cheat code for the running back position and just enters with with a nice little floor every single week. I mean, Josh Allen might be the lowest on that list, and he's at quarterback seven, quarterback six, Kyler Murray, right? Deshaun Watson, quarterback four. Lamar Jackson, obviously quarterback one. So while you still have to pay up more compared to where you drafted Lamar Jackson last year, the talent gap, I'm not going to say that, you know, Kyler Murray is going to jump into his MVP season here in his second season. But there were absolutely cases and moments when he elevates every single person around him and makes plays that no one else in the league can make or very few people in the league can make, turn some of those, you know, sacks that he brought on himself last year into some positive plays this year, get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. And you could have a really, really special second season, despite how difficult the NFC West is going to be here in 2020. So yeah, maybe it's because Kyler's ADP is slightly higher or Kyler's going slightly earlier, but I feel like all the Josh Allen oxygen should just be thrown Kyler Murray's way. Like, I don't know why anyone is talking about Josh Allen or hyping Josh Allen when Kyler Murray is a real thing that exists. So that would be my closing thoughts on uh, Kyler Murray as a league winner in 2020. Every single episode, Pat, it has to be a Josh Allen dig in there somewhere. Like you have to suck out some of that energy some of us have for Josh Allen and the roller coaster that we just enjoy to ride on. And you just want to dump it here on, on let's just let's be honest, your favorite football player in the NFL. I mean, he is yeah, what the biggest I, trust you have. What do I have to do with What am I going to have to do when Josh Allen wins MVP this year? Uh, I mean, I might have to retire. Uh, yeah, I've given it a good run, coming off my tenth year in the industry, so there'd be worse things. Uh, does anyone have Does anyone have any other names? I just want to throw out quickly. I mean, we only talked about six here. There are probably about sixteen, twenty six that we could talk about. I know Pat, you and I on Thursday's episode talked about Latavius Murray. I mean, Latavius Murray is going as the running back forty four. If 
in worst case scenario, Alvin Kamara misses, you know, a stretch of eight games. We talked about there were times last year when Kamara was sidelined and Latavius had weeks of running back two and running back three overall scoring. So in that offense, a lead ball carrier who takes up 75% of the workload can absolutely be a league winner for you as well. Yeah, we've kind of focused on like the more sexy names, but Latavius Murray is a classic profile league because again, he's someone who if we if he gets the role, it's going to be an every down role. And like you said, we saw what he did with that last year. Some of that, I mean, Marquise Brown, uh, who showed a lot as a rookie and could maybe take like a DJ Shark type jump as a sophomore. I mean, we know he's a special player who can make huge plays down the field. You know, injury always kind of the concern with him, like Will Fuller, and then. You know, someone like Raquel Armstead uh, behind Leonard Fournette, who, you know, the Jaguars just could not have made it more clearer that they wanted to get rid of Leonard Fournette this offseason, couldn't find any takers. I think Leonard Fournette's going to have a very quick hook this year. Uh, someone getting no hype at all, not no hype at all, but Justin Jackson on the Chargers. I mean, Austin Eckler's reached 15 carries twice in his career. Uh, Joshua Kelly, maybe a grinder type. Uh, Justin Jackson, another guy, kind of like Raheem Mostert, uh, extremely efficient on limited workloads in his career. Uh, just a, could be a huge home run hitter and he could have a role right off the bat too. Um, so those are just a few of the other guys that I, I had thought about going with before ultimately deciding it had to be Kyler. My late, late round guy is Darrington Evans. Who's the direct handcuff to Derrick Henry. I think he might be the cheapest direct handcuff. If, if Derrick Henry missed time, I would be pretty confident that third round rookie Darrington Evans would go right into the uh, three down role and he's going to be playing on passing downs as well. That's a role that Dion Lewis had last year. He's not going to have standalone value, but uh, I thought Darrington Evans was pretty good. He was really fast at the combine. And I, I think he showed enough to believe in as a three down potential league winner. And he's going like, you can get him for free. I think most leagues will probably be a waiver wire guy. I'm not going to say this guy might be a top 10 wide receiver, but I found it extremely fascinating that Adam Kaplan uh, predicted that Jalen Rager, the rookie for the Philadelphia Eagles, is going to lead that team in catches during his first season. You know, I I don't know how they're going to use him necessarily. And like if Deshaun Jackson is healthy, I would still bank on him as being that team's top wide receiver. But maybe they're already in love with Jalen Rager to the extent that he's going to be on the field in every single sequence, every single drive. And if that's the case with his explosion and what Carson Wentz did with all those awful receivers he was throwing to last year. <laughs> then maybe Jalen Rager is someone that could vault into the top 15 wide receivers during his rookie year if what Kaplan is saying actually happens. And we know how close he is to that group. And I mean, would, would it really be a long shot podcast if we didn't mention the likes of wide receiver 71, Devin Funches here? Uh, I mean, Devin Funches. I, I, you mean uh, tight why end not? Devin Funches. Tight end I, Devin Funches. I mean, he's the only pass catcher that team added this offseason. I think they added him as an extra offensive lineman with the way the Packers are going. Uh, I think that was kind of what they more they had in mind. What what if what if well one Devonte Adams goes down and two Devin Funches and Aaron Rodgers have just been you know the marriage that this this team has been waiting for since you know Jory Nelson left town. What what if what if that is the case this season? Not saying it's going to happen. Absolutely not saying it's going to happen. But I just felt like, you know, Devin Funches is the type of name that needs to come off this conversation because we might not talk about him the rest of the offseason. <laughs> Rightfully so. Can I throw out one more? is insanely low. Yeah. Go ahead. We didn't talk about any tight ends outside of Devin Funches. Mm. 
the guy that I like is Hayden Hurst, and I, I've talked about him before on the podcast. He's not going super late in drafts, but he can be your tight end one if you if you want to wait a little while. And there's just so much opportunity in Atlanta. And I thought I, I reviewed his tape this offseason, and I thought he was pretty underrated. He was uh, all the advanced stats, like a, like on a per route basis. He was actually pretty good last year. So I think the talent is good enough for the opportunity where he can sneak into be like a Darren Waller type and actually end up being a top five tight end potentially. Is this great? You brought up tight end because this is the deepest, most intriguing year at tight end in years. I mean, you've guys, you know, usually tight end 18 to 22 range. I mean, you're talking about the pure depths, like nothing intriguing. And this year, you know, that's Jonah Smith, Blake Jarwin, even Jack Doyle, uh, Ian Thomas, I mean, Chris Herndon, Eric Ebron with the Steelers, like tight end is, way deeper than usual this year. Yep. And it's one where honestly, one of those names could emerge as the fourth tight end in the NFL in scoring this year. And if you're getting them at, you know, the tight end 16 or the tight end 15, that's just a massive jump and you land the jackpot um, at that tight end position. I also want to mention that these guys, just for the review section, these guys were joking about Devin Funches being a tight end. We all know he's a wide receiver. <laughs> so do not do not act like that they just don't know what they're talking about. I am saving your butts here, gentlemen. Okay, that's going to do it for us. Um, we'll be back later on this week for another topic that has not been determined at this time. Um, and again, hopefully we will come up with another live draft ahead of your July 4th weekend. So for Hayden Winks, for Patrick Doherty, I am Josh Norris. Stay up the villa. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.